You're listening to the Art of AI podcast with your host, Jerry Cuomo. Thank you, DJ. Hey, folks, where do you stand on chatbots these days? You know, I remember seeing a statistic a couple years ago stating that only a half a percent of people surveyed prefer talking to a chatbot versus a real person. Reason being that while they're decent in following the yellow brick road, meaning helping with common tasks like resetting passwords. But once you get off the path, you quickly spin out of control, and this just leads to frustration. But that was then, and this is now. In fact, a recent Wall Street Journal article highlighted how Salesforce's AI platform is generating 1 trillion AI-powered predictions weekly, and it's enhancing customer service with Gen AI. And it's helping with things like routine task management, understanding customer preferences with more personalized interactions and creating new outputs that anticipate customers' needs. And it's getting very high scores from today's digital savvy users. So my guest today is an expert in conversational AI. She spent over a decade building AI agents of all types. And today she is our specialist in customer support bots powered by Gen AI. Her name is Iniko Rosa. And she is a distinguished engineer at IBM, as well as a fellow at the World Economic Forum's AI Alliance. And she's a coworker and a friend. And she's joining us to share her experiences in AI-driven customer support. And with that, I'd like to welcome Aniko to the podcast. Welcome, Aniko. Hi, Jerry, and thank you for this opportunity to participate in your series. I'm really excited. Oh, thanks. Let's get going. We have so much to talk about. So, Iniko, can you start by sharing with our listeners why you love doing what you do? Sure. Let's just start with what an incredible year it has been for AI, AI in general. And last year just brought this tremendous change to this field. And I'm really fascinated by AI. I have been working in the field of AI pretty much in my entire working life, starting from my degrees and just continued on. I was born in Budapest, Hungary, as you could probably hear from my accent. That's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not North American. <laughs> and I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. And then I moved to Canada and I started to do another master's degree. I was working deeply in AI. Uh, my thesis was on domain and constraint visualization in computer-aided design. And I implemented this interactive intelligent design application with visual aids. Okay. So my thesis was about cutting edge AI back then. And it was just a step up from advanced analytics where everything is very deterministic yep. to provide this design optimization. And then I started to work at a local R&D firm. And I worked there for about a year when we got acquired by IBM. And I have been with <laughs> IBM ever since. So this is my 30th year here. I spent the last 15 years, again, solely focusing on AI. I've been working in conversational AI since 2008. And if you remember, that was before Watson won Jeopardy in 2011. Yeah. I invented a chatbot, except we didn't call it chatbot, but a natural language-based query and dialogue system for IBM technical support. <laughs> it's had this weird long name. Yeah, it's this is the area I love. It's fair oh, to wonderful. say that, you know, I've seen a lot of technology changes in my career. 
But this change with generative AI is just coming with this unprecedented possibilities. It's affecting every industry from customer care to transforming data centers, process optimization, like everything. Yeah, (laughs) wonderful. And Nico, if you somehow were able to vault yourself into the future from back then to today, would you recognize AI as it is today? A lot changed. I wouldn't recognize it as it is it's the the capabilities. I think the ideas, what AI should be or could be doing was always there. Mm-hmm. But what traditional AI could do, it was a struggle to create that first mm. chatbot. <laughs> it was an absolute struggle, even from natural language understanding to even just managing the dialogue, everything was just a hassle. And now you could create a chatbot so much easier and it intelligently can discuss, you know, informations with you. It is context aware. It could help you with with a number of things that we just dreamt of. Mm, Okay. Iniko, you are known for your expertise in natural language processing. And in particular, I've had the privilege to work with you applying that to customer care. What is customer care and how and where does AI help? So customer care is, let's just say, it's everything, all interactions, all activities that relates to customers that a business or an organization provides. Mm. And customer care is incredibly important because there was a, this research done a couple of years ago, and basically it said that the experience that the company provides is almost as important as its products or services. And customers just expecting to get fast, accurate answers, dealt with their problems on the channel of their choice in a manner that helps them and not the providing organization. Wonderful. Now, on the AI part, let's perhaps if you can reflect on generally, how does AI help? And then we'll get maybe more specific about today's AI. Generally, AI helped to transform the contact centers in the recent decades, like the interactive voice responses, agent tests, chatbots. They all significantly enhanced the productivity of customer service agents. Right. And then in the AI-based solutions, allowed the agents to shift to higher value activities. Mm. And I've delivered virtual agents for banks, for telcos, in the oil and gas industry, in retail, in HR, and I'm sure there were more. But now generative AI is radically changing how we could deliver this and how we could create these hyper-personalized customer care experiences. I see. Before, we could still deliver virtual assistance, but it was fairly difficult. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it was scripted in some ways. Like there was, there was AI in the intent recognition, but the way the dialogues were structured, it was very much predetermined. Right. But now we could have context awareness and we have just this overall reduced dependence on the role-based systems. Can you give us some examples, Aniko, of this in action? Yeah. So we have been delivering for a number of clients. Mm-hmm. For example, there is this telecom where they had virtual agents. We delivered the virtual agents for them. And they were doing really well with them, but then they wanted to have an even better solution where they can look at all the incoming customer responses, Mm -hmm. whether they were inquiries or whether they were complaints or whatnot. And with the use of generative AI, they could actually analyze 
all of the questions that came in versus what they were doing before, where even with the traditional AI, they were sampling some of the data, they attended that data, but couldn't cover the overall solution. Mm -hmm. But now it's entirely different because with this solution, we could be doing so much better and covering the entire solution. Very interesting. Another example is a bank where, again, we delivered virtual assistants. The virtual assistants were doing quite well. But then now with the generative AI inclusion of the solution, we could make so much better intent recognition. We could summarize answers. We could find more appropriate documents than before. So it's, it's enhancing and building on what we were delivering before. Got it. Got it. Iniko, can you tell us a little bit more about, for example, are you using off-the-shelf large language models as an example? Are you fine-tuning models? Share with us what's in play here. Yeah, all of the above. You could use large language models as they are, and you could exploit the capabilities. That is, what options to deliver a solution. But you could also prompt-tune or fine-tune models And you could provide more nuanced, more specialized answers. There is, of course, there is a cost and there is a benefit with every one of the solutions. You could leverage the language model that understands the domain well enough. You have a faster experimentation. You have more skills and but it's limited to what it understands. Right. You could then do, for example, a parameter efficient fine tuning where you could add limited training examples and then you could faster to a domain and have better solutions. You could have full fine tuning where you ending a lot of training example, you update them all the model parameters and you get very efficient inference, stable performance, but there is a cost to every one of these options. So depending on, you know, what clients want, depending on what's available, we might choose an appropriate solution. I would imagine that an off-the-shelf large language model, as good and as large as it might be, it may not understand the products that the company is offering. It may not understand the organizational structure. And maybe with some additional fine-tuning with that, do you suspect maybe the performance and the, and the outcome would be better? It entirely depends on you know what the solution is, right? There are certain questions you want to ask. Who's going to do the training? Who's going to do the fine-tuning? who will own the the prompts that are sent to the model, who's going to maintain this, where does it go? So all of these you have to consider when you create a solution. And if you want to create some text analytics or something similar like classification, Mm -hmm. you could be doing a decent job with off-the-shelf available models. If you want to, as you mentioned, find answers and provide information on very specific products, very specific solutions, or in a very niche area, then you have to find I see. Like, yes. you know, by itself, it's not going to understand those. And Nico, can you share some of the gotchas or areas that companies should pay special attention to? For example, sensitive customer data sets and things like that. I think right now there is a pressure to accelerate the use of generative AI everywhere But at the same time, we really need to make sure that whatever we deliver, we are building it responsibly. 
clients have concerns about the data lineage and provenance. They have concerns about security. They have concerns about the data privacy. So we need to build everything that builds on trust and transparency. Makes sense. We need to ensure that the language models that we are using, they have their documentation, they have their data cards, and we understand where the data is coming from, what rights there are to that data, what went into the algorithms, Mm. so that the companies could be sure that the technology is transparent. And then, of course, when we create an application, you know, for example, with the chatbot, Anybody could say or type anything to a chatbot. Like it's just you cannot prevent the user from providing some very personal information. Yeah. But what you could provide as a responsible application developer is make sure that you are filtering this data out and saving the user from actually sharing their personal data. You started the podcast saying what an amazing year we've come off of. And I have to agree with you on that. I think generative AI has now made its mark. Can you share a wow moment? I think the way generative AI could form sentences, that was the wow moment. Mm. Before, when we wanted a chatbot to sound better than before, what we did is instead of having one answer, we had sort of maybe five different answers, and then we randomly surfaced that to the you know, the, how the answer was formed. Right. It was still the same answer, but we actually had to put that work into it and come back with, you know, sort of randomly surfacing, uh, answering in a different way. Yeah. And when yeah. I first interacted with ChatGPT and it came back with beautifully formed sentences, I was like, wow, this is where the chatbot should be. This is where it can go. And in Hungarian? In Hungarian, too. So this is actually um, very interesting <laughs> because I had a chance or the opportunity last year to speak in Hungary. I was invited to Hungary to discuss the effects of generative AI on our work and the workforce. Yeah. There was a, a conference held and I found out that you know they are working on a Hungarian large language model and... By the time this Hungarian large language model is developed and fine-tuned to specifically trained on Hungarian content, the commonly available large language models, they also converse very well, and it is a tough language to converse in. Mm. Mm-hmm. So three years ago, it sounded like a good idea, and the expectation was that perhaps they will only work well in English. But now we could say that it does a really good job in, in Hungarian as well. Wow. Wow. That is a wow. Good. All right, Eko, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jerry. Okay. This podcast is a wrap. And I've included some reference material in this episode's description section. And once again, I'd like to thank Eniko. And I'd also like to thank you all for listening in. Until our next episode, this is Jerry Cuomo, IBM Fellow and VP of Technology. See you soon. 